It's 6 p.m. and you're tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM, Nevada City, KCPC, Camino. Today is Thursday, October 26th, and this is the KVMR Evening News. I'm Julia Jem. A rural town in Riverside County is facing an unusual new challenge. Packs of aggressive stray dogs that are killing dozens of livestock and terrorizing locals. Who's to blame? Authorities point the finger at illegal marijuana farms. The California Report has the story. Then, after a look at local news and weather, KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza speaks with Bright Futures for Youth's Executive Director about the grand opening of their brand new Neo Youth Center. We close with an essay by Molly Fisk. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. The Council of American Islamic Relations is warning its Bay Area members to be alert after hearing reports that the FBI is targeting Palestinians elsewhere in the country for questioning. KQED's Christopher Alam reports. CARE San Francisco says it's advising people of their rights after hearing complaints from the Midwest and East Coast. An FBI spokesperson told KQED they don't target any group saying they resolve allegations of a threat with, quote, very light, unintrusive research or a phone call. If the FBI has a legitimate reason to speak to someone, then they should have no problem working through counsel to reach that person. That's Zahra Bilu, director of CARE San Francisco. She says these kinds of calls are intimidating and harassing. No complaints have been made locally yet, but Bilu says that Arabs and Muslims here have been targeted by the FBI in the past. For the California Report, I'm Christopher Alam. In Los Angeles, the LAPD is investigating a home break-in as a possible hate crime. Police say a man broke into a Studio City residence early Wednesday morning. The family who lives there called 911 and said the suspect, later identified as Daniel Garcia, threatened to kill them because they were Israeli. The homeowner spoke to KCAL TV. He started to scream like protest stuff, like... Israeli kill people, Israel, people die in Israel, and, uh, Israel, free Palestine and stuff like that. And we was uh, very scared because the situation in Israel now and we are Israeli. It's unclear if the man knew the family or how he knew their background. In a statement, L.A. Mayor Karen Bass called the incident, quote, a vile act of hate. Also in Los Angeles, attorneys have finished opening statements in the trial for the captain of the Conception. That's the diving boat that caught fire four years ago while anchored off the coast south of Santa Barbara, killing 34 people on board. LAist Julia Paskin has more. Jerry Boylan faces a charge of misconduct or neglect of a ship officer. If convicted, he could face 10 years in prison. Boylan has pleaded not guilty. The scuba dive boat caught fire and sunk around 3 a.m. September 2019 while anchored near Santa Cruz Island, killing 33 passengers and one crew member. An investigation from the National Transportation Safety Board has not found a cause for the fire, but found Boylan accountable for the disaster by not having a night watchman on duty, which allegedly allowed the fire to spread without alerting those sleeping below deck. The Conception Boat Fire is the most deadly disaster to happen at sea in recent U.S. history. That was LAist's Julia Paskin. A small rural town in Riverside County faces an unexpected danger, packs of aggressive stray dogs. In recent months, the dogs have killed dozens of livestock and terrorized many residents. Authorities say illegal marijuana farms are to blame. KVCR's Madison Almond reports. Just off the one winding highway that leads to Anza is Sage Mountain Farms. People call it God's country. It's beautiful up here. Phil Noble owns the farm. 
He's tall and burly. His face is red from working in the heat. We grow tomatoes, uh, potatoes, beets, carrots, and then uh, we run cattle. We raise pigs, um, chickens, and lambs. Noble also built a business breeding calves to sell for beef. It was going well until about two years ago. Then dogs started hopping his pasture fences. The first time, neighbors scared off the pack with a warning shot. After that, Noble and his calves weren't so lucky. They were mutilated, and it was, it was horrific. Noble says in the last two years, the dogs have killed 15 calves. What's happened to Noble is not an isolated incident. In fact, the packs of wild dogs are the talk of Anza. At the feed store, the gas station, the coffee shop, it seems like everyone has a story to tell. We heard the llamas screaming and saw the dogs attacking the llamas. They were bloodthirsty, so that was seven sheep I lost in just a short period of time to these dogs. That's Adrian Hockey and Mike Jordan, who both used to raise animals as a hobby before the dogs got them. The prevailing theory is the packs of dogs come from illegal marijuana farms in Anza. Hiking up a steep, rocky hill, James Roy, who's with the Riverside County Sheriff's Department, says this is just one of hundreds of illegal pot farms in Anza. Roy says the farms here tend to be vast, and growers use big dogs like German shepherds for protection. He says the land often bumps up against hiking and horse trails. Um, we've had people, you know, bitten, chased. So there's a lot of things that come with these illegal grows that it goes far beyond just the, the illegal marijuana. Another problem is the dogs have puppies. And then we get an overpopulation of, of wild dogs. And Roy says farmers often abandon the dogs after the growing season ends. Roy estimates he called Riverside County Animal Services to pick up more than 100 dogs just last year. But he says Animal Services doesn't have the capacity. It's definitely a challenge because there's so many of them. Riverside County Animal Services would not answer questions. They emailed a statement saying they have one full-time officer assigned to ANZA. Some shelters in Northern California's so-called Emerald Triangle are also inundated with hundreds of dogs from illegal pot farms there. It's lunchtime for the cows that are left at Sage Mountain Farm. Noble throws out handfuls of barley. He still runs beef cattle, but gave up breeding calves because they're too vulnerable. He says it hurts to lose the tens of thousands of dollars he invested in it. All those, you know, years of planning and getting the, the right mama cows, the, you know, the right bull. Attacks on livestock in Anza have gone down recently. The town's Facebook page still buzzes with dog pack sightings. People say they're more vigilant now, and they built higher fences. Noble says as much as it pains him, if the dog packs come back, he'll shoot them. An old rancher rule is if you ever put a dog down, don't tell nobody because people don't understand. Though many people in Anza may because they say they'll shoot too. For the California Report, I'm Madison Ament in Anza. Support for the California Report comes from the California Healthcare Foundation, Listening to Black Californians, a new study on how the healthcare system undermines the pursuit of good health, on the web at chcf.org lbca. Paint Care, now with more than 850 drop-off sites in California where households and businesses can recycle their leftover paint. More at paintcare.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, 
whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute, advancing the frontiers of ocean science, exploration, and discovery on the web at SchmidtOcean.org. And that is this edition of the California Report for Thursday, October 26th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm your host, Saul Gonzalez. Thanks for listening, and have a great day. In regional news, Ubinet reports that yesterday the Food Bank of Nevada County hosted the third annual 10,000 Meals event. They reached their goal with the help of local groups, businesses, and volunteers. In partnership with Outreach Program California, one of their warehouses transformed into an assembly line to package the dry ingredients for rice and beans and mac and cheese meals. Gold Country Kiwanis and Nevada County Rotary Clubs raised the money to purchase the food and showed up to lead the packaging tables. Each production line of 10 to 12 people contributed to the overall meal count. Those production line workers consisted of a number of different community members. United Way, Briar Patch, and Elevation 2477 provided volunteers, while local electeds and staff were also on hand to work two-hour shifts. The meals prepared by the event will feed dozens and dozens of people in need. If you're interested in becoming a volunteer for the food bank, you can attend their new volunteer open house, which will be held on November 1st from 10 a.m. to noon at the food bank, which is located at 310 Railroad Avenue in Grass Valley. A press release from the Tahoe Interagency Bear Team urges locals, especially in the Tahoe area, to consider securing the crawl spaces in your home and think extra hard about what are known as the bearwise principles. We'll get to those in just a moment. So why do these things? Well, for black bears, changing leaves and cooler temperatures can cause a temporary physiological state known as hyperphagia. During hyperphagia, which is referred to sometimes as the fall feeding frenzy, bears consume as much as they can to bring their fat stores to a high level, ensuring that they'll survive the quickly approaching winter months. In the fall, an adult bear can consume 20,000 to 24,000 calories and gain multiple pounds per day. To achieve this rapid growth in fat stores, wild bears can be seen foraging most of the day and night and might travel beyond their normal home range in search of food. This increased drive for food can lead bears to seek easy, calorie-dense meals in residential areas if food, garbage, and recycling waste isn't properly stored. The Tahoe Interagency Bear Team urges residents to stick to those bear-wise principles that I mentioned earlier. Those principles include using bear-resistant garbage carts or boxes if you live in an especially rural area, removing bird feeders, storing pet food inside, and cleaning grills regularly. After the fall feeding frenzy, food supplies begin to dwindle, which signals to the bears that it's time to find a den for hibernation. In the wild, bears will den beneath rock piles or hollowed trees. However, in the Tahoe Basin, many bears try to make a den under a deck or a crawl space. These insulated and wind-protected urban dens are enticing to bears seeking shelter but come at a big cost to homeowners since bears wintering under homes often tear down insulation or electrical wires as a part of their effort to build a warm, cozy nest. They also leave an opening to the den, exposing pipes to freezing temperatures that may burst and cause homeowners significant damage. Because of this, fall might be a good time to secure your crawlspace. For more tips and information about what you can do to keep Tahoe bears wild, you can visit the California Department of Fish and Wildlife Keep Me Wild slash Sharing Space Outdoors webpage, tahoebears.org or bearwise.org. Turning now to a look at the regional weather forecast from the National Weather Service. In Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight mostly clear with a low around 37. Friday, areas of frost before 8 a.m., otherwise sunny with a high near 59. 
Friday night, areas of frost between 3 a.m. and 4 a.m., otherwise mostly clear with a low around 34. For Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight mostly clear with a low around 22. Friday, sunny with a high near 50. Friday night, mostly clear with a low around 16 degrees. And for Sacramento and the surrounding valley, tonight mostly clear with a low around 42. Friday, mostly sunny with a high near 66. Friday night, mostly clear with a low around 40. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. Since 2008, NEO has provided young people aged 11 to 18 with a fun and safe place to spend their time after school. Now, its parent organization, Bright Futures for Youth, is celebrating the grand opening of its brand new NEO Youth Center. Up next, KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza visits the site and speaks with Executive Director Jennifer Singer to learn more. So we are outside the new NEO Youth Center. This is our entrance right off the back of the building, real easy for kids to access. We were able to build this beautiful patio out here, which is a place where kids can gather um, and just really makes a nice welcoming space for them. That's Jennifer Singer welcoming me to the new NEO Youth Center on Lytton Hill. There are balloons everywhere, and the sound you're hearing is the fan that's powering a tall, red, wacky, waving, inflatable tube man. The tube man is positioned at the entrance to welcome people. After a lot of planning and even more work by countless community members and staff, Bright Futures for Youth is celebrating the grand opening of their new Neo Youth Center. My name is Jennifer Singer, Executive Director of Bright Futures for Youth. So NEO started in our community about 2008, um, and they had a dream to have a youth center in our community. They were able to open one in 2015, which they ran successfully for about five years. And then in 2020, NEO Youth Center and the Friendship Club started talking about the idea of merging, and we were um, successful in, in creating that merger. And so Bright Futures for Youth is the uh, the parent organization that that provides the uh, kind of the lifeline of support to NEO, the Friendship Club, and our SAFE program, which supports um, youth homelessness. So this opening of this center is kind of the, the first opportunity for Bright Futures to be able to present this uh, larger youth center to our community. The 3,700-square-foot youth center is a big deal. It'll give Nevada County youth a place to go after school. A number of studies have shown that young people are most likely to run into trouble between the hours of 3 and 6 p.m. So the need is great. And uh, what I'll say is that kids need a positive place to interact with each other. Um, Now, it can be a youth center. It can be sports. It can be all kinds of things. But not every kid fits into every uh, mold necessarily. And so um, if you're not a, a youth who is actively engaged in sports after school or other extracurriculars after school that are more organized, um, you might not feel like you have really a place to, to go. And so NEO offers that opportunity for kids to come. They can be self-directed, but there's also um, people to share things and share experiences. Like, for example, we're right now we're in the music room. Um, this music room is beautiful. It's going to be very 
dynamic. There's going to be kids coming in here and having lessons. There's going to be kids jamming in here. We know bands will form out of this. So it's really kind of a, a center where kids can come together and then find other people that have their same interests and, and maybe go off from there on, a, on an idea, whether it's a band or an art project. One other thing I wanted to say about NEED is that we just do have a, when we started the Friendship Club um, in 1995, we had a different population of youth. We had about 5% of kids on free and reduced lunch. And fast forward to 2023, and we could see pockets of 60% of kids on free and reduced lunch in our community. So we know that 49% of our youth um, are on Medi-Cal, for example. So the dynamics and the demographics of our community have changed, which means there are more youth who could use supports. And sometimes that's intensive supports. And sometimes it's um, smaller things that we can do for them when they're young and give them the confidence and build relationships and skills early on so that when they're faced with challenges in the future, they have some coping skills and some kind of foundations to build from when times get more challenging. The Youth Center is full of things to do. There's even just spaces to hang out. So at the Youth Center, kids have access to um, board games if they're old school. We have a video game whole area that kids love. We have a pool table, ping pong, foosball. We have uh, the music room that I mentioned, a wonderful opportunity for kids to jam and and get lessons. We have an art room and we have um, coordinators in each section also. So adults who are here, young adults who are here to to help guide. So in the music room, we have Johnny. Um, In the art room, we have Bella. And Bella will always have projects that the kids can choose to be a part of, or they can do self-directed art. We have a cafe, so kids will be able to come in and grab a coffee or a smoothie. And then we will be bringing dinner down to them every night as well. And we want to thank the Rotarians in our community for all coming together to make that cafe specifically possible. Uh, That was a really fun effort to get all the Rotaries involved in that as well. The new youth center is located near Nevada Union High School, and Jennifer says that there are plenty of ways for local kids to get there. We are located in the Lytton Building, which is in Grass Valley at the top of the hill above Briar Patch. So it's fairly central for our rural community, which is hard to find central in a rural community, but we're, we're pretty central. Uh, we do have busing coming over from Nevada City School District, Seven Hills, and Grass Valley School District. Uh, Lyman Gilmore. So those buses do come to 200 Lytton Drive every day. And then we also have families. Uh, kids can walk here from the high school. So it is walkable from the high school and from Bittany High School. Um, we have families who bring kids over after school sometimes. And uh, Friendship Club has always, and we have expanded our volunteer driver program. So we do have people who go to some of the more outlying schools and pick up kids so that they can have the experience here after school. The new Neo Youth Center on Lytton Hill will be open after school school starting November 6th. There will be high school days, middle school days, and combination days, and you can find out more on the Bright Futures for Youth website at bffyouth.org neo. For KVMR, I'm Claudio Mendoza. And now, Molly Fisk. Molly Fisk, Observations from a Working Poet. I don't know what to say to you today. Watching the destruction and grief in the Middle East, the smaller horror in Maine, as if horrors can be compared, the blithe insanity going on in the halls of Congress. I'm not someone who prays, but I've been praying. I found a poem circulating on social media by a poet I'd never heard of 
Joe Lamb, who lives in Berkeley. I don't know if he wrote it about this month's violence or something earlier. I see from his photographs that he and his family are traveling in Japan and just visited Nagasaki's Peace Park. The poem is four lines long and untitled. For you, it may be different, but what I hear the dead say is build something from this sorrow besides more sorrow. I don't know what to say about people's anger and righteousness or their desperation. I have been angry and righteous. I have felt desperate, but I've never been bombed or shot or lost my entire family in the same hour. What can we do, those of us far from harm, watching maple leaves drift to the sidewalk? I send puny donations in every direction. I call my senators. I can't imagine it does much good, but it's what I've got. There's another offering, which is to witness all this unbearableness and not look away. I'm trying to do this. I take breaks because I can and I have to, but I don't ignore what's happening. I listen to my Jewish and Palestinian friends in their despair and rage. I've checked in with people I know in Maine who are providentially not near Lewiston. Last night, a poet went to the ballet in Salt Lake City, and during the second act, two men in evening wear got into a fist fight. One nearly pushed the other down a steep flight of stairs. The dancers never stopped dancing. The band played on. After ushers or bouncers or some official people got them and their dates out into the lobby, faint shouts could still be heard. Humans have been fighting and losing their minds since time began. Our phones make it more immediate for us when we're far away from the bowling alley or border fence or opera house. The ballet patrons didn't know about Lewiston yet, but some were heard to say it was just lucky the fistfighters didn't have guns. Take care of each other, as Bonnie Raitt likes to say at the end of her concerts. For you, it may be different, but what I hear the dead say is build something from this sorrow besides more sorrow. Award-winning poet Molly Fisk writes, coaches, and teaches writing in California's Sierra Nevada foothills. You can reach her at mollyfisk.com. This program is produced at the studios of KVMR-FM, Nevada City, California. Funding is provided by Harmony Books of Downtown Nevada City and KVMR with support from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. That's our newscast for this Thursday, October 26th. Head over to our website, kvmr.org, or subscribe to the KVMR News Podcast to hear more. KVMR gets support from generous listeners like you and Nevada County Cannabis Alliance, a trade association representing the local cannabis industry, providing year-round get-legit permitting and compliance education, emphasizing industry responsibility and environmental stewardship. Information at nccannabisalliance.org. 
Support for KVMR's Future of Radio project comes from AJA Video Systems, empowering the next generation of local journalists and broadcasters. The KVMR Evening Newscast is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Julia Jem. Have a great night. Thank you.